Hello, soulmates. Uh, D Murph uh, podcast. Uh, title: Why Not Sports? Uh, I'm sitting down right now. You can't tell about my height, uh, but I did play basketball. Got my degree, and basically, Why Not Sports is talking about the good, bad, and the ugliest sports and how it impacts your everyday life. Things that I learned as an athlete carried over to what I do in the real world. Like I was telling you, in uh, mid-level management. Just combine them both, and voila, why not sports? You know, everybody knows about the Super Bowl. Everybody knows about the Olympics, no matter if you were an athlete or not. And here it is, why not sports? Uh, a little over three years into this podcast game that we're in. Holy podcast fan. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. He's very supportive. He's one of our shows. Thank you for that. All right. Um, What's up, y'all? My name is Brian Carroll, a.k.a. Super Carol, um, by day, I'm a behavior specialist slash teacher. Um, uh, by night, I don't know. I couldn't think of No, I know, right? I was going to come with something. But no, nah, I'm an educator. I fell into education um, because in, in my life, there was things where I think people put periods or adversity wanted to put a period, and it was really just a comma. And I started a new extension of my life. So... You know, I'm a person that never liked school, never did well in school, and now I'm an educator. But I'm kind of working on redefining what education looks like. Um, so I've learned a lot of trials as a former college and pro athlete. I played football. Um, you probably can't see from my height either. <laughs> I'm, not that t- I'm six foot, man. I'm barely, you know what I'm saying, right there. But uh, through that, I created a program, Athletic Intelligence, was a player development program because, like he said, there's so many different extensions to ourselves and who we are. You got a 99% chance of not going to the league, so why not find out who you are, what you represent, so you can take your rightful place in the earth. Um, so I'm just passionate about kids and helping people, but mainly our future within the kids and um, living my truth as a man and being a father. Um, that's something that's really changed my life, so that's really kind of brought forth a lot of new things within my journey to help me to grow. So I'm just out here trying to... Uh, live and learn and uh definitely support some dope people oh we're so happy you're here so let's get into the nitty-gritty we are about to talk about toxic masculinity versus toxic femininity it's hard for me to say the femininity part because it's so sound right you know <laughs> yeah. it's like toxic, toxic? Never. <laughs> Never. but it's an ongoing joke at my job because i work in an office where it's two women and then two guys like that's my team like the social media team and so anytime a guy says something like out of whack i just be jokingly say oh mm-hmm, toxic masculinity <laughs> and it wasn't until i was listening to this youtube uh, series with abba and preach does anybody watch abba and preach okay mm-hmm. they i like them a lot but they 
little trifling, but they be having a <laughs> the point. Take the positive. Yeah. Thing. So they actually really opened up my eyes when this um, guy, it was Abba talking. He was talking about how he had flew this girl out and um, she they, got flewed out. She got, she got flewed, flewed out. out. But they've been talking, you know, DMing, and, you know, she was coming to LA and they were talking. Anyways. And so basically, she ended up like getting drunk and. Um, you know, with the Me Too movement going on, he's like, mm. you know, I'm not trying to, like, if you say don't touch me, I'm not going to touch you and stuff like that. And so she was, like, mad. She was, like, that she, he was saying no to her mm. because, you know, he wanted to make sure, like, you're drunk. I'm not about to take advantage of you. Mm. And so she, and I, I hope I'm not telling this story wrong. So if I am, y'all get the point. But, um, <laughs> and so she starts, like, really yelling at him and mm. then, like, lightly hitting him and stuff like that. And then he brought up the point of toxic femininity. And I was like, dang, I never even thought about that. I talk about toxic masculinity so much. I was wondering, you know, are there some toxic traits that us women have as well? Yeah. So I just wanted to get a very balanced perspe- perspective. Because at first we were just going to talk about toxic femininity and that's it. But then I saw something on the news about um, this lady um, getting catcalled. She didn't respond and she ended up being raped and killed. So I thought we have to talk about both of them today because it's a very serious Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. topic. So I don't know who wants to start it off, but I want to get y'all's definition or what y'all opinion about what toxic masculinity is. Anybody can go. Well, first off, I want to say I know a lot of times we focus on the raping and the um, Me Too movement when we talk about toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. but there are other aspects of it that we yeah. forget about, mm. such as um, when we tell a guy to man up, mm. when we, you know, the crying factor, and um, examples of just as we grow up, I think it all starts when we're, when we're younger as kids. You just, it's not normal to see a guy playing with a dog. And it might be something that they want to do. You know, just think about that reaction if a, a man sees his child reaching for his daughter's toys. Mm. It starts there. Yeah. So we forget those, how early toxic masculinity starts. And we just think about the, mm. the back end of it. I mean, because it starts there first. Yes. And then that could trickle on to being extreme. Exactly. But that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> um, so I looked at the definition of toxic mm-hmm. and the basic word that stuck out was poisonous mm-hmm. so um, when you think about it she brought up a good point um, you know how we say man up but what does, look like, what does manhood look like because manhood to 10 12, 15, 18, 20, 25 single, married um, with kids it all looks different Working in the field, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It all looks different. So we have to break down all these different social constructs of what the culture says manhood should be like and really redefine it for what works for you. Because mm-hmm. I look at it like this. Like somebody can say, well, you got to take care. You know, we got. We also got to understand that society has changed from the 20s, the 40s, the 50s. Like women didn't have a lot of rights. There was a whole movement for women to even get jobs after World War II to even get in a position to start making some power moves. So now the home structure is so much different. The man is not going to work while the home while the woman is sitting down. And I feel like you need to figure out what's best for your home because if I'm a teacher and you're a district attorney, you're always going to make more money than me. But I'm, am I defined by how much money I'm making? You know what I'm saying? So we need to take those toxic 
constructs and, and stop marginalizing ourselves into a lot of things that we've created from culture and, and, and stuff that's a whole wave that's gone. And another thing I think about, like, as a father, you know, crying was something I never wanted to do. Like, you, you little, you bang your leg in the game, mm-hmm. man up. You know, you got mm-hmm. that little thug tear coming down. You trying to act like you, but it hurt more to yeah. hold it in. That's running fun or something, you know. Yeah. Like, you trying to hold it in, <laughs> trying not to cry. And when I went to my aunt's funeral a couple years ago, I kept stepping out to go cry and go back in. Did the same thing in my grandfather's. And I said, man, I'm tired of this. I said, man, look, I don't. I don't care, but I was still caring, but I was trying to like not care. And then when I had a daughter and I looked in her eyes, and I was like, dang, we got the same eyes. I broke down and I just became a crybaby low key. I ain't going to lie. And I learned that that's just an expression of joy. You know what I'm saying? So it ain't, it ain't no week like that. So I understand that. So I said, why do we have young men that are so desensitized? Because now we talk about fatherlessness and people not being there. Why does it sense that? When I'm carrying my daughter around in Walmart or whatever the case may be, you know, little teenage girls, women, everybody, younger, oh, they want to play. But you never, you rarely see a man do that. But if he did, he would be shunned. Because I'm that guy that like to play with random babies. Mm-hmm. But I got to I gotta chill out because I'm going to be a weirdo yeah. if I want to hold somebody's baby. Mm-hmm. But I think we kind of go against a lot of the things that we're saying how it's like we want a man to be this way, but no, don't be like this too much. Like this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah it's like don't don't go too. You want to be nice, but no, don't be too loving. You know what I'm saying? So, so I'm gonna stop right. No, you good, brother Brian. Uh, for me personally, when you when you think of toxic masculinity, it, it's it's being a comfort of your own self. Yeah, like you basically to your point. Um, I've I've too shed a few tears with you know I am have my own kids, a few of them. Um, Playing a good game, I love. Mm-hmm. I shed a tear my my senior night. Um, being where we and our workforce, yeah. like we said, you know, if, if we're having um, situations to where we get upset, oh, it's an angry black man. You can't be. We expect you to be angry when you get this, you know, write up or we have this, un- you know, uncomfortable conversation with you. So I think every it's like it's a cycle where it changes. So it's up to us, at yeah. least when it comes to being men, to kind of adapt and adjust for the times. This is a very good topic, by the way. Very good topic, by the way. We have to learn how to be healthy and managing our emotions. Mm-hmm. When we think about mental health, we think straight jackets. So I used to be scared to tell somebody how I feel. I'm like, you're going to say I'm crazy. Because mm-hmm. what I did all the time, I said somebody was crazy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was taught these toxins like if somebody missed a shot. Oh, you trash. Yep. Now we can't even get better and go in the gym and work on our skill set because we're so worried about the judgment of what somebody's going to say. Or you so, throw like a girl. Sorry to interrupt. Or you throw like a girl, yeah. yeah. They yeah. always make comments like that, like a girl. Yeah, that is true. Mm. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I'm guilty of saying that. Yeah. 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 You you, you were right. Like, like I grew up, it, like, and I always say this. Why I'm not even with this for the culture stuff. I'm sorry. Some people might, and some people have different definitions. But a lot of times, it's like if you're not hyper masculine, hypersexual, you know, or out here fighting or getting female or something like, then they make you like you ain't really a, a man. man. Like, what if well, I said it's okay if you six three two thirty with some muscles, but you want to play the violin. Or you want to be on a debate team. But mm-hmm. I would tell the dudes, yeah, you got some hands, but it's 7 billion people on this earth. And, and to be the dude that's the best fighter, that's so far-fetched. 
But bro, you can actually learn how to read and write a sentence and actually go to school and do something with yourself. For being an athlete, <laughs> and the ladies, please, now my, my whole side is kicking in. But being an athlete, we was always told, all we need to know is whatever we need to do without the hood. It's yeah. to play football, basketball. Mm. Don't worry about the grades. Ah, get, get, just go there, barely make it, and then when the real world come, mm. it's stopped. That's what yeah. you always told you? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Wow. I did not know. Yeah. The cheering stopped. Well, think about it. Look, look at it like this. <laughs> there was this, this saying in college, because I played college basketball, and you know how they say you're a student athlete? But there's like this insider, you're an athlete student. Come on. Like, yeah. just, Come like, on. That's all for a show. That's all yeah. for fun. Because Come on. they that's know real. some people will never, well, I can't even say never. The odds are Because they you. never really exercise themselves to push further. But and so they, they pretty much, they're, they're, Taming you and raising you and cultivating you to be bred for uh, an indoctrinating uh, for an athlete. That's it. That what is your main goal. You, like, whatever happens, like happens. Where's the validation for the kid that does his homework, goes to class on time, and is respectful? All the validation is for the one, the bad boy, the athlete. Mm-hmm. The one, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. if you go to a little league game, I go see my students little league, it's packed. The parents fight, they're cussing, they spending all this money on AAU, select football, they playing year round. But you got parent teaching night and ain't nobody there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you said that too, because it's also taught that the good guy finishes last. So yeah. then we're also teaching our men that mm-hmm. and our poor boys that you have to kind of bully a girl, pick at a girl. So you like her it, bro. to like Show your life. Yeah. Bro. And it's like, why do we teach our kids? I think it, it all has to go back to how we raise our kids. These kids are eventually going to turn into toxic adults. Well, and, that, and that's why I remember now, thank God. Yes. The balance, right? Yes. So we think straight jack and we think crazy. But think about it. You know, you got to be working 715. You know, they on you. Mm-hmm. Because you're doing your thing. Mm-hmm. And they're not expecting you to do that well. So you got a supervisor that's on you. So you know you're running late. You in traffic. You might have gotten an argument with your boo or whatever, or somebody ain't text back, and I know she ain't sleep. You know what I'm saying? I know she ain't sleep. She on Instagram, she still ain't texting back. So now, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not sober-minded. I'm not mentally stable. And, and, and guess what? They have these social norms of expectations that you got to meet for aggression as a black man, for the way you're supposed to talk, for the way you're supposed to act. So what if you don't meet those things? You know what I'm saying? So now you're going into work or to a situation and you're not healthy mentally and now you're you're very vulnerable mm-hmm. to all of those different attacks. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, soul... Gotta be hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but your soul gotta be right. Your mind gotta be right. Your spirit gotta be balanced. You have to have an understanding of that and you have to be able to stand firm on who you are. You know how many kids I know got felonies because they didn't even got... They even in a game. They didn't did something in the room. With, with some females running the train, something like that, or they done ran up in somebody's house because they ain't got enough. They don't know who they are enough to say, I'm good, bro. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be the crash dummy. See, I'm going to say this. I ain't always know who I was, but I always knew who I wasn't. I wasn't no thief. Yeah. I wasn't no banger. I wasn't about to, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't about, I just, I wasn't feeling it. So I was okay with you saying, oh, you whack, you weak, cool. But I ain't doing that. You want it done so bad, you go steal that. You go do that. And also, I can't rock with you because if you're still for them, you know what I'm saying? But we don't have enough young men where the core values of what a man looks like mm-hmm. is rooted and grounded in things that are going to help you thrive. It's all about being like, I grew up, I ain't hardly do my work. Now I got these schools coming off me a scholarship, man. I got a 2.1, mm-hmm. and I ain't even took my SAT. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. When I'm first team all state, I'm all in, and, and, and the parents supported because they got you going to everything. Whoever made me sit down and read a book? Nobody. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So now we're not developing these things and then everything, think about on the team, if you do that's not the manage little 12 or 14-year-old that's trying to get every little girl pants, you're going to get clowned. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to get clowned. They're they going to make you become a promiscuous young man. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You're going to have to become that. And now, what about these poor defenses? Little girl that's just thinking, oh, he likes me. Mm-hmm. Or love me. He loved me. But also being a being a father as well. We got I didn't have an example growing up. Mm-hmm. My father, you know, I have a, on Why Not Sports, Love You Pops. Um, did three episodes with him a while ago. But not having that father figure, a lot of us didn't have that. So it's kind of hard for us to have that example on how to talk to a girl or how to express how we feel. We got the uncles and the cousins older than us like, yo, this is how you should do it. It might be too late for us because we never had that example. So, you know what I'm saying? To your point, just to play bad cop. Because it's kind of like, well, now, Brian, what do I do now that I made this mistake? Can a Brian or a D. Merv come into our schools or maybe we can hear this? You know, plus, thank you, ladies, for having us on. So maybe we can give ourselves a chance because there's always hope. It, it always boils down to validation. See, what I know from being working with kids' behaviors, they're going to get some attention, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. At least you say you're proud of them, even if I'm doing something bad. So what people got to realize, these guys go to these gangs and go to these cliques because they're giving them that, that sense of togetherness. The brotherhood. Look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Everybody needs a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. We need to feel that's that's natural. We need to worship something. We need to be attached to something. This is innate in who we naturally are, mm-hmm. male or female. That's yes. why the validation thing is so important. So we got to make sure that we're giving the right type of validation because if we don't, we're destroying it. And that's why I like I look at the situation with Ti, with the Hyman. Like I respect the fact that he want to know what's going on, but it's the arrogance to post mm-hmm. that. And also, see, see, what we fail to realize is kids spell love, T-I-M-E, time, right? Mm. And also, we ain't got to have a million YMCA's and mentors if the daddy do what they're supposed to do. Matter of fact, how about this? How about this? Respect and love your wife. That's the best example. You ain't, I ain't got to lord over you like with my students. I want to infuse the right type of character so I ain't got to be sitting over your shoulder making sure you do the right thing. Mm. We're going to get that flow because I've... I've I've introduced you to the right way to act. So now you get some self-respect. So now you value yourself, you value education, and you value your reputation. So now you're going to automatically do what's right instead of me having to sit over there. So I ain't got to lord it over you. So it's like, I get it. Whereas mindset, as a father, having a daughter, I'm like, man, if anybody try, oh, I'm up. So it's up to you or it's up to us to be that example. It's up to us to be that example. But we have to... We got so much we got to unlearn and relearn. You got to be in a humble state humble. to even realize, bro, I don't know nothing. How many brothers really can share their emotions with one another without being soft? Yeah. Being all oh, you soft or you're punk or you know what I mean? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I've read something about two, three months ago where, like, at least once every, you know, three or four hours, a brother, a man, is either depressed or, you know, they, they die. Because yeah. they, they feel like they can't express how they feel. You know what I mean? And being a black man. We have to create those spaces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it, this is a very good topic. I'm going to keep saying that. Cause <laughs> I, I, got, I got a homeboy. And, um, every time, like he's a little older than me, he's married. I look up to him. like respect him a lot. Every time we get to play, like, I love you, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's the thing I struggle with. And he, he noticed that we the Bible study. We talk, he said, I noticed you be hesitant, but you've been saying it now. And that's because <laughs> uh, 
my dad, you know what I'm saying? Me and my dad, we good now with uh, my biological father. It took me like 13 years to tell my first mentor I love him. Mm -hmm. I used to call him. So when I went to college, I had a mentor, amazing man. I actually, actually most amazing man I've met in my life, my mentor from college, uh, my pastor. And I, it took me 13 years to say it. I wanted to say I would call and I just talked to him and I just be trying to, I couldn't get it out. And I remember, um, I don't, I never heard my dad say he loved me. Mm -hmm. So when I was leaving to go to college, uh, my father was just looking and I was like, I want to go see him. And he was just kind of like choked up and, and he, he ain't shed no tears while I was there. When I got in the car, I just boo-hoo. I just had, and I didn't know I had so many emotions every time I'm in any space, especially church, where they start talking about dads. Like, I can't even act hard with it. Like, bro, like, I'm like balling, snot balling. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, man, I got to get this under control. What the heck is wrong with me? <laughs> so I had to ask myself some tough questions. And I, toxic masculinity was making me not even want to address the fact, man, I'm good. I don't need him. No, nah, bro. That's in the word. You that, need to honor that, that mother and that yeah. father. Yeah. And I used to try to act so hard with that. And I just had to ask myself some tough questions. Mm -hmm. And I realized, bro, I'm hurt. Yeah. Mm. I, like, I was like deeply rooted. And then I had to realize that that affected my perception. That's also one of the things that drove me to want to love, want to love kids so much. But that made me uh, bitter in a lot of situations. And I missed out on a lot of, um, you know, engaging situations. For expressing, mm -hmm. so I realized I didn't know how to express myself. Mm -hmm. I, I I avoided conflict. I avoided tough situations because of fear, mm -hmm. because I had um, what is it called? Abandonment. You know, I had abandonment issues because I felt that my daddy abandoned me when I when. So now I'm trying to figure out well, if I do this. I mean, I carried that into so many other relationships, and I really had to understand that. So it's this toxic masculinity piece. There's so much that goes into it. Well, we have to really just break look in the mirror and, and really address those things so we can break the cycles because mm -hmm. uh, it, get, it get real deep. And I, and I I feel bad when I hear a mother that has a, um, a strange relationship with the father and he's not even calling his kids. Mm -hmm. Like, before I get mad, I want to call him. Like, bro, oh, that's your daughter. You want to you know who's around her. You want to know what type of enemy. That's your son. Like, I want to call him, but I'm trying to figure out why. Why he's so disconnected and desensitized to the process of fathering? What happened to him? Toxic femininity, though. The mother was yeah. maybe hearing in her ear from her girls or her mom. Yeah. Girl, he, he ain't here. Don't yeah. let him mm -hmm. talk to you. He ain't him on that. Just yeah. if he really wanna, he'll have to deal with it when she get older. But right now, you need to do you, and that's your baby. He gonna call without. No, it's multiple sides to a story yeah, look, right. that's I'm not being addressed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, trust me, that's why I'm being transparent. Yeah, I'm, I'm experiencing that. I've been divorced. I've been divorced. You know, like I told you guys, I didn't grow up with my father. So when I had my first kid, I had to leave because the situation where I had to leave the state for years ate me up to the core, to the mm. core. So me, I'm, here I go. Now I'm growing up. Now I'm not being around my daughter because I wasn't being growing up without you know without my father. So I'm like, oh my goodness. This is tough, but like you said, just the, the what you hear in the, the whispers and things like that. But overall, yeah, it can be people hurt you though. Don't you feel like that was my breaking point? Like the crying, um, feeling I can't express myself at the funerals was tough. But having a daughter, oh my goodness, and, and, and experiencing that alienation and not even to this day because she don't and, live with me, and, and the fact that the way the system is set up. 
as a father, man, you know, you got to go through so much money. You got to have so much um, your temperament. Like, like we're talking about somebody's kid. Mm-hmm. If somebody take go to a daycare and take a woman's kid and don't you don't see your child for five or six months or a year, if somebody just tell mm-hmm. you you can't see, everybody's gonna be it's gonna be a crime. It's flesh and blood. Too. Everybody, it's gonna be a crime. Everybody's gonna be like, oh my god, you okay? But then with a father, we're so desensitized to it mm-hmm. that we don't we realize, man, I'm looking at man, that's my child, mm-hmm. bro. And I, I've cried so many nights on account of that situation, and, and that's that's why I refuse. To walk in a space where I'm not expressing myself. Oh, no doubt. Why? Where I'm not. So when I do get my time with my daughter, I make it count, and I'll fight tooth and nail, and I'll never stop in two things or the way they should be. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because she deserves that, mm-hmm. I deserve that, and I feel like this is just a a piece of my growth process, mm-hmm. my growth uh, process. But that um, that's what's helped me. And now I wanna, I really wanna reach out and help other fathers because I see so many people that go through it and they don't know what to do in that space. Like you can. Like, I would never do this, and I wouldn't agree if somebody did this, but I get it if somebody said, I'm going to go get in a whole other family. Because it's so emotionally draining to deal with the fact of just, imagine this is your child. Your child, and you don't even have access to, to talk to him or see him, FaceTime. But they're taking that money out of Just because somebody too. can. Mm-hmm. Just because they can. Their authority. Yeah. And this is not necessarily an indictment, because I, I, I want some scripture. No, God is... He's not the author of confusion, but he's the minister of reconciliation. So my goal is reconciliation because hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And, and there's an imbalance. So I, I, I feel like therapy, we have to be so much more proactive about therapy and really realizing, you know, how we're handling situations. Because guess what? I told the dude at the gym, they argue. I said, you think you're right just like I think I'm right. So just because just you think I'm right don't mean I'm wrong. Just you think you're right don't mean I'm a liar. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, so these mothers and these fathers, they need to sit down, ask these tough questions. They need to shed some tears and, and see about the real, the data, about the real effects. Because, you know, my stepfather came and stepped in. He's an awesome dude. But, man, like, I knew who my father was. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I asked my father. I was 30 years old after a workout on the field. I kept saying I was going to forgive my father for like a year, putting it off, putting it off. I'm up there crying. I'm praying. I'm walking around the field. Y'all like to walk around seven times, calm the field. Come on. Like, come yeah, on. the Battle of the Jericho, you know, the yeah. walk. And I'm praying, I'm just, I'm bawling. And I'm like, man, I call him. And I and I think God gave him a grace to, like, you know, listen, listen mm-hmm. instead of be defensive. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, I do all this stuff for kids. And, man, why you ain't love me? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a grown, 30 years old, mm-hmm. crying mm-hmm. on the field. Man, why you don't love me? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that was, uh. <laughs> And that man, that's tough. That's like so. When I watch movies, I be tearing up. Certain movies make me tear up. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I but that's a part of dispelling that crime. I ain't never seen. I'm sorry. I ain't never seen a dude that got life spoken to him like that. Ain't well. I don't care how tough you think you are. You you gonna break down. Because you know like you said, we hold so much in. Well, and again, this is me being transparent. Like you said, I I I work harder so I can take care of my daughter who's not with me. In addition to my family that's with me, I still got to make sure she feel inclusive. Like you said, that sense of belonging. So I have to make sure I maybe work a little bit harder so I can get that bonus, so I can get them extra hours. Because you can't tell the family, well, I'm still taking care of your daughter, who, I mean, your sister who's not living with us. So that's that extra weight that we unfortunately put on ourselves. But yeah. who can we go to? The way society puts us, yeah. man up. But I'm trying to. 
you know, pick my kid up and then try to bring all my family together. And But then a job tripping, and like you said, boo might be tripping or you just... Did you end up going off on the wrong person? The day you deserve it. So it's a challenge every day. And that's including, like I said, right now as we speak. Yeah, I feel you, And right now as we speak, but all I can say is just stay strong, man. And, and just, you know, thank you, know, you ladies again for being able to <laughs> allow us to express ourselves because it's definitely not easy. I didn't realize the venting thing until I started going through stuff. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and, and one thing I love about my biological father, I mean, I, I think he's a very smart man. He just didn't have that resilience to push through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me, I'm I'm type of person. I, I can't see it, but I'm going to figure out I ain't giving up. Mm-hmm. So, I know, I'm like, it's like a good I want to answer all my questions. That was in my head. <laughs> right? Um, but I know, like, me and my brother, my dad was present in our lives, um, but I see it affecting my brother more than it affects me with, since he had a child, he doesn't understand how his, my dad wasn't as there for him as he is for my nephew. And so and so we all been going back and forth. We've been talking about this for a year, like we're gonna sit down with our father, which I adore and I love. He does the best he can. I I know where he came from. I know how he was taught how to love. Um, and I thank God for my mom too, because she always she wasn't one that was like, stay away from your dad. She was always like, go talk to your dad. Go spend time with your dad. Call your dad. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. But there is a point where I feel like you talked to your dad when you were thirty. Um, I briefly heard your podcast with your dad. When was the time where you sat down with your dad and just said how you felt so y'all could, like you said, reconcile? For me, lost my grandmother, got divorced all in 2009. I'm sitting here like, where else can I go? (laughs) And there was a pastor in Corpus Christi where I was living in at the time. And he was kind of mentoring me and giving me some, you know, speaking life into me. He was like, well, where's your father? I was like, nothing to do with him. It's been long at that time. Late 20s, I'm like, I'm good. You might need to talk to your father. Just just talk to him. It seemed like you're holding in some stuff. I'm like, <laughs> ever since I made that call, I said, man, you know what? I lost my grandmother. I'm divorced. I just want to tell you I love you. And that just like broke the change to where my whole life just changed just from that instant. Wow. And now that's my dude. Like that's my guy. It was something that that's why I was saying when you was talking about your parents. Even though I, when I played ball, I'm being real aggressive. Any minion coaches, I, I had that you know rage and that anger. But on the flip side, when it was you know uh, fathers coming to the game, I would break down. I used to be mad, and I would sit there like. On period night. Yeah, exactly. So you just sit there and you're like, you know what? So I started numbing myself emotionally. Because mm. I'm like, well, as long as I got Spalding, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to be good. But after a while, just me talking to him, saying I love you, I don't want nothing from you, I promise. But I really, from my pastor, was like, yo, just I got to tell you I love you. And he actually called me like a week later and we just really started talking. And like I said, here we are today, a good 10 years strong. Were you able to, like, lay down, like, were you really able to be transparent with them? Absolutely. Say, okay. Absolutely. Because I was like, man, with you not being in my life, uh, mm-hmm. 
I don't know how to be a father. I'm not handy. You know, I'm not, I'm just, I was laying all my flaws out. So I said, I'm like, women going to look at me crazy because I didn't have nobody to show me how to, you know, change oil, to be able to use, you know, power tools or things like that because you weren't around. But because you still my biological father, you gave me how to talk because I sound just like you. You're very intellectual. So I know I got that from you. But it's still a lot of things, man, that I hope we can turn this around. You got a you know, granddaughter now. You know, we're going to be out there for the funeral. So, man, you know, I would at least like to see you. Maybe we can go out to eat and things like that. And we, we, we expressed to me how he didn't know how to open up to me because of how he was in his past. He toxic masculinity. Right. Mm. He felt, he felt, he felt guilty. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't think you would love me because I'm hearing my other, you know, the boys in the in the in the, in the joint. Right. They like, shit, man, my son don't even care for me. He, you know, he pushed me away and tell his mama I want nothing to do with me. And then after being in that cell for so long, I guess you start feeding into majority of what you hear. Yeah. And he was like, "Thank you for reaching out," and that started peeling them layers off. To now, he's. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started opening up to me, and I'm like, oh, okay, and vice versa. So now that's why I feel comfortable. Hey, bro, I love you, man. Here's my information, man. If you need anything, man, just hit me. I don't. I feel very secure wow. in myself as a man until another man. Yo, I love you, bro. This man that's hit great. me up. I just broke the, they broke the cycle just. What I was saying before when I was in high school, I love you. What's wrong with you? <laughs> hey, man, my up. You know, now it's like it comes from a sense of respect, a sense of knowing what the struggle is. Being an educator, being a family man, being, you know, just overall in society, how they try to, you know, put us in this box. And we need to stand together and, and, and I bring I do that with my students. Like, if somebody did something out, like, come here. That's just a hall. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah you, come here, man. Give me a hug. Mm-hmm. If you don't get on your work, I'm going to come give you a hug. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You can tell somebody you love them and not mean it in a negative way, but it kind of reminds me of a situation with my uh, ex-girlfriend. She had a really strange relationship with her on a day, and she just hated him. And I said, "Man, you should forget that dude." Mm-hmm. Like, and all along, God is eating at me because I ain't forgave my father yet. Mm. Mm. But I'm, I'm telling her, and I would get so convicted every time I said it. But she went to Walmart one day and came home and said she seen her dad. She hadn't talked to her dad years since then. Daddy's girl. He like the cool, like Loki. I'm jealous. I like that. I like, <laughs> dude was super cool. He was super nice, but. And that it's like it's a, it's like it just broke that chain mm-hmm. because a lot of times people be feeling so bad about stuff that mm-hmm. they've done in their past shame. that they feel mm-hmm. that shame. Mm-hmm. So that's why we have to create a safe space mm-hmm. because the shame, like it's a lot of things that I know my father did. He want to admit to it, but mm-hmm. it ain't the time to bring it up. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the truth out of season bears no fruit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I ain't got to flood that in there. And where, where will my intentions be if I'm just trying to flip? I don't need to answer that right now. Yeah. Guess what, man? I love you. Yeah. I'm glad to see you, man. I gave you a hug. You know, here's your granddaughter. Man, mm-hmm. look at her. Mm-hmm. And I see how he's living out what he should have did with us, what he wanted to do with us, with the my grandbabies. Heart, that always happens. My grandparents. I mean, my mom and dad are the best grandparents to my nephew. And I'm like, I want to pop out some babies. Now. This is not good. Spend time yeah. Yeah. My daddy over there doing, like, dance-offs and sing-off. I'm like, who is this man? Another side talk. I'm like, wow, you never heard of Yeah, another side talk. That's real. But I think that the point that y'all brought up was really huge. It is that shame that our 
you know, our parents have, and that's why they're so scared to connect with us. Mm-hmm. And I just appreciate that y'all are able to break that chain, break that cycle, mm-hmm. so y'all can start making a better, healthy cycle for your your children to see. Because I think like, you know, some parents are still stuck in their ways, and, and they need you to reach out to them. They need you to show them it's how hard. to love. Um, yeah, I know. I gotta rely on my son or kid to teach yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then as a as a being the daughter or the son mm-hmm. of the parent that has technically abandoned abandoned you, because I'm speaking from personal experience, a similar situation happened like that. And we talked about it on podcast mm-hmm. with my mother, and so um, my mother left around age two through due, due to drug addiction and developmental illness through the course of just the lifespan. And so having a battle with that and being the child, the daughter that had to, like first, this is supposed to be your parent, supposed to be your, the one that's telling you what to do, the one that's supposed to be nurturing you, guiding you, showing you the way. And so before you even go to that, I'm gonna step up and and, and reconstruct the relationship, heal and, and put the growth processes and implement the plans in place it kind of feels out of order at first. It's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, am I stepping on toes? Or, and it's like ego in the back of your mind, like you should be doing this for me. Like you were the one supposed to be, has, you were the one that was supposed to have been like there. Exactly. Yes, and so it was a twofold long process and I was thinking about it the other day, like it, this didn't happen overnight, but it was, I think everything happened for a reason. And the reason why I say that is because just the time we grew together, the knowledge that I've fed myself after college, the knowledge I've had, the knowledge and experiences that I had to go through, through college life, post-college, I think it prepared me to be a person that was more open and receptive to the love without like having that resentment anymore and saying like, I want things to be this way. And since you didn't do A, B, and C, then I'm not gonna reach out or I'm not gonna put my pride aside to make sure, you know, we have a beautiful situation. And one thing um, you were saying, Brian, was that it caused it caused you to, to um, it really seemed like you had to be in the present moment. And actually both of y'all said the same situation, like, okay, I know that, you know, you wasn't here for all this time, but I'm just gonna forget all the things that you, you did. Like when you really so think about it, and now being the age that our parents was when they had us, mm-hmm. it's like you can really, you really realize like they didn't have all the answers. They were just figuring it out just like I'm figuring it out right now. And so it's like, I can't even judge you for your 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 decisions because I don't know what those decisions were. I'm not, I don't really care to talk about those decisions right now, but maybe eventually we'll get to it. Get to it. But I'm just gonna love on you in this present moment because this moment, <clears throat> as long as, like I said last week, mm-hmm. as long as there's breath in your body, we still have an opportunity exactly. to love. We right. still have an opportunity to make beautiful memories from now on until the rest of the time we have together. And what I was thinking about, when there's a, a huge offense done, or you missed the game winning shot or drop a ball, mm-hmm. last thing you want from your support system is for them to demean you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If there's no enemy within, the enemy from without side can do no harm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So and, and we have to look at each other and realize that, look, there was a time in my life where I was struggling. And the last thing you, sometimes when somebody do offense, really like my student, they do something they really know they messed up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I look at them, I'm like, come here. And I speak life into them. And it seems like it don't work, but it, it works. It, 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 yeah, from the flesh, you would think, man, that don't work. 
But I, the Bible said, no, no man after the flesh. No, no man after those crazy actions that you Deep did rooted. in the moon moment. You don't make major decisions when you're upset. So you have to remove yourself, mm. be in a posture of appreciation and humility, and understand that, like, I, I get it. You know what I'm saying? I've been there. And even if you don't understand it, still be in a posture of love. Because we have to give, man, love conquers all. Mm. And when you just, sometimes you just look at somebody and just give them a hug. And I've done that before and just cry. Like, just cry. You know what I'm saying? When you just heavy, your spirit just heavy, mm-hmm. and you know you done messed up, or you know that somebody done did something, and you just feel that peace in your spirit because your your soul is good. Your soul mm-hmm. is at peace. So you can understand it. You just give them a hug, and y'all just cry. And, and, and sometimes it's like, y'all ain't need, y'all need to address it and say it at that moment. Mm-hmm. It's understood. Mm-hmm. And y'all can get to it later. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I think that is so important in addressing it because... As a man, like imagine how a man, like I had a friend that was going through a situation. I don't know if they divorced or beefing, but I said, so you got this dude. He's acting out, right? Yeah. So I said, so what, what was his dream? She was like, be a basketball player. So his dream is to be a basketball player. What is he doing right now? Uh, he's in and out of jobs. Okay. Did he graduate from school? Nah, he ain't graduated from school. So um, how many kids y'all got? He got two kids. So his dream, he didn't feel his only identity was in playing ball. That's what he thought he was. Didn't graduate school. Got two kids. Not not fulfilling the duties as a father and as a husband. Then not even handling his job and his career. Like he's crushed. Like what he's doing is those those are um he's displaying depression. You taking it personal and it's and it's hard not to when you're in the frame. It's hard to see the picture when you're in the frame. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, he needs some help. Mm-hmm. And he needs to be able to express himself and, and redefine what masculinity is. Because guess what? Your father is the man of the year. And everybody thinks that he's amazing. But now your husband, he don't, that's why he don't feel comfortable around him. Mm-hmm. He feel like, so uh, people, people, I, I try to look at things from a different perspective. You know what I'm saying? To see where it is. Because I know what it's like to have your whole, everything about who you are mm-hmm. is, is built as a sports, as an athlete. Mm-hmm. If you don't go to the league, you ain't making. Mm-hmm. Well, you got over ninety-nine percent chance not going to the league, and it ain't about who the most talented. It's so many other things that go. Then they got politics in school. They got who got the money, who got the resources. So all of these factors that put you at less than one percent at doing with toxic masculinity, the standard says you got to do. So then what you gonna do? That's why most kids I see that that play ball in high school that don't have the grades and get the scholarship, but guys that don't go to the league, they always start doing the same thing. Man, you wasn't some smoker. You wasn't no, you wasn't drinking like you wasn't popping, you wasn't acting out like that. Now they start participating in um, deductive suicidal behaviors because they start doing self-destructive behaviors. Cause now they on some man, I don't care. So now, oh, you, oh, you sitting there laying there? Okay, I ain't know that's what you do. But but you just hit me up saying, Coach, I want to go to school. Mm. But now you post a picture with a blunt on. But but we gotta we gotta see past those things that are masking, and, and, and everybody do it. Cause I realize. I ain't gonna lie. When I found out I had a baby on the way, just being completely transparent, I was depressed. Cause I was like, man, no, that's not me. I'm 30. I've been doing good all this time. I don't wait to 32 to get somebody. Like, I want to be married. I want to be somebody I love. That I'm gonna be for the rest of my life. And this is no indictment to the mother of my daughter, but you know, just um, that wasn't the plan I wanted. I got depressed. But the way my depression manifested itself, it wasn't in drugs or alcohol. It was in women. Well, you know what I'm saying? It was or see what I would do is because it hurts so bad to acknowledge that a family member died. I keep their numbers in my phone, but I, I but it but I don't 
Like I might go to their phone, look at a picture, look at a text message. And it, so to me, it's like they still alive because I don't live in Baltimore anymore anyway. So it's like they still alive. So what I, what I realized, my mom do the same thing. We never address it. Mm. So it's like, so I figure if I don't go to a funeral, they still ain't die. Subconsciously, I do that in my mind. Mm-hmm. So what I would do with other situations, I just pretended it wasn't happening. We just talked about that. So I drowned myself in other things to keep my attention. I was my attention was hyper in every other thing. I was working out more. I was doing so on the outside. It looked like man, mm. being in shape. I I had I was possibly about to get signed by a team. I'm like, dang. But you know what? When she called me, said she about to go into labor. Again, broke down, cried, got on my knees, just had to come in peace with it. And then when I looked in baby girl eyes, it, was, it just broke everything in my spirit. Like I couldn't, nah, I can't fight that. But it, a lot of times we we spend so much time fighting or lying to ourselves because of these social constructs of what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And that's where your accountability group come into play. Yeah. That's where your, 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 your group or your environment, a group of people, to kind of steer you into the right direction or help you stay focused. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna lie, I got one. That's how I made it, man. Yeah. And, and, and with the brand, to just you know talk about that a little more. If something were to happen to me, my kids and my family know it's enough out there. He expressed how much he loved me. We, you know, yeah. it keep the legacy going. Yeah. Like you said, man, I wish my grandma would have. Maybe I would save that voice message. Mm-hmm. I would have saved that video. Now what we're doing now. We're doing that for our love, like you said, with you know Miss Jazz, with you know your mom. My mom just sent me a text like, "Yo, you're an inspiration." I had you at 16. Like instead of me, you know, leading you, it's like now as the son, I gave you all I had. Now you're giving me everything you have, but that's what I need to get to that top and be the true mother to your other siblings. But thank you for setting that example. So to your point, it's like, Ma, I'm supposed to be following you. Mm-hmm. We're 16 years apart. Uh, it's like, well, no, you, I'm your mama, but thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. We're not used to was, this family. We're growing together. And I'm leading my mom, love you, Mom, <laughs> leading her to where she can feel proud as a mother, but also as a woman, to where she can do things that she loved to do because she didn't have that guidance or she right. didn't know where to go. That's what led me to start studying how the brain and how human behavior work, that's a term called arrested development. And when we go through really traumatic experiences, we get stuck. So you ever been around somebody who was super diligent, super mature, and they get around their siblings and they just go to like a whole nother person, like, dang, bro, like mm-hmm. you just, like, like you way more mature than all your siblings, but you act like they over you right now. Like mm-hmm. in arrest development, that traumatic experience in your brain mm-hmm. is captured and you get stuck. Mm-hmm. So. I always look at it like, like you know, just because you're 40, 45, 35, whatever, that doesn't mean that you're acting in that way. In certain areas, you may be stuck in through that therapy, through understanding what's going on and being able to confront it and combat it. That's how you can grow through that. But a lot of times, we're too busy trying to put on the front. Like, I'll be working with some guys on some training. They may be receiving the DB. And the receiver eating that cornerback up, but he's not doing none of his technique. But he won't confront the issue because he's so worried about the toxic aspect. Everybody calling him trash mm-hmm. that he won't sit there and make the, mis- the necessary mistakes in practice so he can master the plan in the game. Mm-hmm. But that's how we do in life. So, so, so what are we masking <laughs> with? That 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 we get on social media more, uh, get to our work, opposite sex relationships, um, alcohol, drugs, TV, movies. 
Whatever it is that we can find that's our anti-drug or drug drug, whatever we want to call it, we try our vice. We try to drown ourselves in that. And we never get down to the nitty-gritty to realize, dang, I just had to confront this mm. and go through. Like I seen this picture on Instagram that said what people think healing looks like. Mm. And they had a picture like this, but what it really looked like is you crying. Facts. So you you like I'm like, man, I ain't really that's a lost art is confronting anything. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's a lot of hard. to confronting things. We literally just talked about this on the, our last mm-hmm. podcast because I was really, really struggling with some anxiety. It wasn't until they told me, like you were saying, your support system, they're mine. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until they broke it down to me. It's like, you got to confront this. You're trying to mm-hmm. hide it. You're trying like to hide it like it's not there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like, it's not there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until they told me, like, you got to really confront this to get through it so I was like oh dang that one you're driving like <laughs> <laughs> anxiety for driving but I'm like I'm good yeah. now because I was able to confront it yeah. and that's like so hard but I try to ask questions like I heard Tony Robbins said you ask something the right question you get the right answer I used to be real shy I know people don't believe me because I talk a lot now <laughs> I used to be so shy <laughs> in 7th grade my girlfriend broke up with me because I wouldn't talk to her but I would call her. She said, why you don't ever talk to me? You can call me as soon as you get home. <laughs> but I figured out that I was so shy because I was worried about what others would think. Mm-hmm. Right. So I said, I got to I gotta release myself from letting what they feel and project on me have such an effect on me. Mm-hmm. So now I just got to let that spirit flow. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, you got to exude whatever it is that's in you because there's people that need what's in you. So the reason why I had anxiety when it came to a test, you know, I wasn't prepared. I didn't pay attention to study. <laughs> so of course you had anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I had I had anxiety with, with, with reading in front of the class because I never practiced on my reading and I never talked in front of people. You know what I'm saying? I had to get out there and jump out there and make those necessary mistakes, go stutter over a few words and be like, hey, it's a part of the process. You know, every time a baby try to walk, they fall down. They get back up, they fall down. So I start realizing my, and I'm not speaking for your anxiety, but my anxiety came from worrying about what other people were thinking or worrying about the results. And really, you're only, you only lose when you quit. Because we all try to get over there, but it looks different for everybody. And I understand that my process is different. You know what I'm saying? And, and God, you know, they say, don't put more, more on you than you can bear. But my process comes different because of me being hard-headed at times and also the necessary lessons that I need to learn. And it may look different, but, I, and you know, we just got to be at peace and okay with that and embrace it. Because the way your muscles grow is they get torn down, but they rebuild themselves from that pain and from that strength. Mm-hmm. But without no pain, without no burn, you're not repairing or rebuilding. You're not building your muscles up. Mm-hmm. So you got to get that burn. It's like the seed time and harvest. You Something got to be planted. It may hurt. It may not feel good. But it's what it's going to do. It's going to produce a harvest. And when that harvest comes, you're going to be thankful. But so many times we get mad at God. We get mad at ourselves. We get mad at other people mm-hmm. because of what's coming. And we like, dang. And we don't realize that, you know, adversity really does build character mm-hmm. because the brain doesn't know how to respond if you don't go through anything if it's never having to combat anything your mm-hmm. brain it, 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 you, can, you can look up how the brain works it does not know how to respond if you don't go through anything so you actually have to go through things you know i ain't saying go walk in the street and yeah. hit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, I like that you said that because another thing that really helped me because okay on our last podcast y'all should really listen to it yes. um Something about finding yourself again. Yeah, so it's finding yourself again is the title of it. But just going off of this anxiety thing, yeah, 
there was a lot of shame based in my anxiety because I had this last year, got over it, and I couldn't believe it was happening again. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I called on them so many times that I didn't, I feel like I couldn't talk to anyone because I called on them so much. And then it wasn't until I was like, forget the shame, get what other people think. Yeah. I was able to call my, now I call my brother every time, like if I have to go over a bridge or something. And it was something that he said on the way to this charity concert. He was like, Tip, like I go through the same thing. But you, if you, if I could go through this and what I'm going through now, you could get through it because it's in our blood. And I'm like, true. He's like, you have to be mentally strong, and that just stuck with me. And so it was like that was the affirmation I started saying, like, you have to be mentally strong. You have to be mentally strong. You have to be mentally strong. And so now when I'm driving, I'm like, like you said, I'd be scared, but it is the process of constantly practicing, like driving at night or whatever your anxiety is, constantly passing practicing that and being mentally prepared and mentally strong to get through it. Now I'm like, and once you get over that triumph, like, I went over a bridge, this small bridge, and I was just like, oh yeah, what's up, what's up, what's up? I'm like, what, what you got? And, I'm like, and it's just like, I have to continue doing that, and if I have to call on my brother or dad or Kobe or my mom to talk him through it, it's okay. There's no shame in that. Mm-hmm. And But, yeah. I know I talk about it a lot, but uh, it's like, that's it. No, that's good. So, that's good. No, absolutely. It's like a way to, when you overcome something, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. No, but I did want to talk about toxic femininity as well because, you know, I <laughs> I do want to get um, y'all's perspective in um, y'all's perspective because um, at work, y'all, we talked about it earlier today. I don't know if this is toxic femininity. I don't know what it what this is, but as a black woman, you know it is true that sometimes when we talk or say something, we think that people are gonna see us as bitchy, as aggressive, and things of that nature. So we're very hesitant to speak up. Mm-hmm. So I was telling them just uh, earlier today that I was really mad at myself because I didn't speak up in a meeting, and I work for an all black company, so. There's a whole lot of black women there. Um, but Shoot. The indoctrination got y'all beefing with each other harder than the opposite. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, Hispanics, a black woman, and then... And so, anyways, so I kind of feel like I didn't speak up because I fed into this thing that, oh, they're going to view you as this mm. <laughs> bitchy black woman, like, aggressive even though I was, I would be speaking up for what was right and for my team and things of that nature. And I was just like really beating myself up. Like, why didn't you speak up? Why didn't you speak up? Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that is like a trait of, is that a trait of toxic femininity? Like, no. Say no. No. Um, no, I would say no. But on the line of what you all were talking about with confront, you know, confronting your issues and shaming and, um, remember the other thing but what to me is toxic femininity and going back to what I talked about last week mm-hmm. um is body shaming right mm-hmm. so Lizzo yeah but no but so I just want to say that <laughs> <laughs> yes no yes that's true but men objectify us as women right mm-hmm. it's all about you know the curves and the physical yeah mm-hmm. And so as a woman, now I was telling you, that, that was like my internal issue. Mm-hmm. So when you're, not, when you're not getting that attention, it's like an internal battle that you're coming mm-hmm. that, that is toxic femininity. Because yeah. you're sitting here like, okay, I have to look a certain way 
to get attention, mm. but then you start getting negative attention. Yes. With it. And then that can lead to the toxic masculine. You know, it, it, it just. Yes, it's a teeter totter kind of thing. And it's just. There's so many layers to it. Mm-hmm. So, I think sometimes we want to um, generalize things on gender, race, and different things like that mm-hmm. when it's just human nature. So, men, we're visual creatures. Visual creatures. Yeah. So, and we've been taught yeah. that it's okay yeah. to think, say, or feel a certain way about a woman. Mm-hmm. And even have the mitigated gall to say something about the way she. You know, that she like you her daddy or something like that. Yeah. Um, so there's a difference between a woman that wants to be, you know, you know that say a woman that wants to dress modest, a woman that wants to be sexy, sexy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's different things like that. But I think it's case by case. Mm-hmm. Because to be honest with you, if you're very shaped like my mama, my mama got a big old booty, okay? So it don't matter what she wears. I mean tell her she's like, man, you mom. You could go out in a comfort. <laughs> <laughs> and your booty go, you know what I'm saying? So there's certain things we can, but I think that the onus, it it, it, on bo- it it works both ways. Because, you know, you wanna you wanna be respectful in the way you dress. But exactly. but see, there's so many levels to that. Because what somebody else might think is respectful, yeah. it'll be different. So I think you have to go according to your own convictions. Your own convictions go according to your own maturity or the wisdom that you're walking in. True. Because to somebody that's, you know, younger or don't care, if you look up to Megan Thee Stallion and your level of what you feel is appropriate is different than somebody who looks up to Michelle Obama. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Real. So, But you know what? It goes back to what you were saying earlier. That's what I was going to say. Knowing who you are. Mm. Because when we were younger, <laughs> um, no. there were times we used to be, you know, I'll say this. It was okay for us to be the weird girl. Like, we didn't oh, yes. care what people thought of us because we just did whatever. We did. We were not like the, <laughs> yeah. the typical. I would say know, not that y'all weird. Y'all just not know. And normal can be bad. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ain't, you ain't trying to do what everybody. So what? If I if exactly. I ride that wave, I do. If I don't, I'm still on. I'm do me. Exactly. Yeah. But as you get older, when you transition, you know, it's about being, you know, a grown woman, about being sexy. So when you start mm-hmm. translating those traits, that's when it gets a little tricky. But also, I, you no. As a man, you want someone. That's going to yeah. carry themselves a certain way too. Yeah. At least for me, exactly. I don't want. I'm like, I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. take her around mama and my aunties <laughs> and grandma. They're gonna be like, you, you thinking the wrong with the wrong head. Yeah. So, it, to your point, to your point, you got to be comfortable with yourself. If you do want to go out, do I look sexy? Wear that skirt. Wear them high heels. Yeah, for real, I like those skirts. And, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> a balance. But it's the same. Like the issues that that is different issues that we struggle with as men. My issue with the toxic femininity is that, as a result, any movement based on pain Mm -hmm. is not a good movement to me. Like, you got a lot of people or pro-black movements that are have a lot of great things within it, Mm -hmm. but because it's based on so much pain, they 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 hate everybody. Mm -hmm. They they black. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, bro, come on, man. You can't Mm -hmm. you can't hate your oppressor for hating you and then be hateful and say that you're fighting hate. <laughs> fire don't put out fire. Only water puts out fire. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of movements within women is some women where you can't say nothing. Like you can't say, "Oh, you're beautiful." 
He harassed me. Oh, so now you. <laughs> no, I'm going to be honest with you. Look, one time I slid, I slid in the DM one time. I said, oh, you're beautiful. I'm smart too. <laughs> I said, well, I don't even, I don't know no, you, you like that. You hey, let's have a conversation. I'm yeah. sure you are smart. Yeah. We can have a smart conversation. Yeah. I'm just yeah. saying, you trying to, mm-hmm. and I'm like, God, hey, what? Quick you, draw. You talk, no, I'm short. I'm like, I don't know what to say to you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because someone, they're so hurt. Yeah. They're so yeah. hurt. And then they got this defense mechanism because they always had to be a step ahead. They always had to be better. So now when they view relationships with a man, they view a man being uh, misogynistic or, or what's the word, uh, the old school type of man that wants you to cook and clean. What's Sometimes. the word? Traditional. They, they view a man traditional and stuff like that. And I'm like, no. It's not. It's it's everything. They have so much negative associations with things that you know. If they hadn't been traumatized in those mm-hmm. moments, that that we can actually get a flow and be free. But now you got these movements coming from that, and now reality got, TV. Yeah, and then you got a lot of these uh, movements that look for any little thing to do that, and they kind of uh, use people mm-hmm. in real situations and objectify those things. And that's that's the thing I don't like about the. Uh, the, the toxic femininity. I, I feel like we have to, we can't like that slut walk stuff. Like, I, I I feel like I'm a pretty smart dude, but I listen to what people say. Forget all the fluff. You know what I'm saying? Like, some people, at the end of the day, okay, you can say, you have a right to feel how you feel. You know, so basically you're just saying, I want to do what I want to do. And if you say, I want to do what I want to do, and I want to f- dress this way, I want to act this way, I want to talk this way, if I feel like I want to meet this guy and go do this, what I want, okay. And, and guess what? As a result of that, people are going to develop certain feelings. Just like if you come around with your breath stinking, I'm going to have a certain feeling about you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's certain, what I'm saying, certain things are very practical. We try to mystify it and make it so deep. No. At the end of the day, let's stop saying that a man has to be this certain way. Like, if your wife make a $300,000 a year, you don't need to go to work all the time just to prove that. If it's best for the family unit, for you to stay I'm home. I'm at the crib. If that works, <laughs> if that works for y'all, then do it. But don't. If that works for y'all. If it works for y'all, right. If it don't work for you, then y'all got to make other arrangements. But people have to stop going by these. I think that's what kills us, these expectations. And I'm not saying don't have expectations. You need expectations. You need some kind of guy, some kind of guy. But certain expectations that are so toxic that when you don't fall into it, what happens to the young black boy? That don't like sports, that's not managed, and can't fight. What what happens to him? He gets bullied, he gets clowned, he gets drove through the mud. What happens to the young black girl at a young age who wants to be natural? Mm-hmm. They, oh, they're gonna roast you. I, I mean, I'll be protecting them kids at the school. They're gonna roast you. You know what I'm saying? You wanna be natural, or you're going through your not as cute phase or something like that, or you don't care about having on the cool shoes, something like that. You just wait, you're like, man, I don't care. You rather sit and read a book. You know what I'm saying? What happens to that? And I think that's which that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. And then they progress. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So we have to get rid of these constructs of what being black is. You know, about being a man, being a woman. You know, oh, yeah, you from this place. You supposed to act like this and all that. So we got to get rid of all of that. And that'll set the foundation for us to grow. Because, a lot, I mean, we got people that's just, that's just hurt. Speaking of people being hurt, it just kind of makes me think about about everything, like the constructs, leaving them behind. Um, it makes me think that we have to, it all goes back down to our core values. Mm-hmm. When we talked about core values, and, and most of us haven't been raised 
as and I'm not talking about just us sitting on the couch. I'm talking about us as a people. We haven't been raised with a a common set of core values mm-hmm. like most cultures are. If you are from this tribe, you have these certain set of core values. If you're this Hispanic, you have these core values. At 15, you're gonna have a quinceanera. If you have from um, the Chinese culture, you're gonna have these certain collectively a certain set of core values. Now, I'm not saying that we have to go as traditional as having these certain like. Uh, we need a rites of passage. We need. <laughs> but we, we but we really kind of do in a yeah. sense. Um, of course, everyone won't follow in the core values. And to go back to the point of, you know, women going through the stage of wanting to do the slow walk and the women wanted to. I honestly, personally, don't think that there's anything wrong with that because, and hear me out, and just how on the flip token, men may go through their pimping stage or whatever. Well, I think, and it's two sides to this, this token. And the reason why I say that is because we can't go back and change the past. So if that's what you were at that point, that somehow it led you to become the best version of yourself to this day. It, it gave you some type of life experience and you learned something along that journey. It built you, cultivated you to be more wiser, to know, okay, she how to discern. <laughs> Pretty much, like gave you that insurance. Like, okay, I know how to be wiser. I know, it's just like the saying, like um, you tell a child not to touch the stove and because it's hot. And they gonna still want to touch mm-hmm. something hot. It doesn't yep. necessarily need to be the stove. Just the other day, Eva Jarvis's daughter, uh, my boyfriend's daughter, she goes in the room and she touches the light, not this light, but like a lamp. And she comes running to me, my finger hurt, and it's like this little bubble on her finger. And I'm like, what is going on here? She's like, I heard it. And I was like, you burn your finger. <laughs> and she was like, okay, I'm gonna be honest. Mm-hmm. I did burn my finger. I was like, what did you burn your finger? And she's like. I touched the light. I was like, didn't I tell you not to touch the light? And I, she was like, yes. I was like, why do we not touch the light? She was like, because it's hot. I was like, are you gonna touch the light again? Absolutely not. And so I think that's us as humans. Yeah. Like we go through these different experiences, knowing our elders told us not to do that, knowing that knowing we know good and we knew good and well that we weren't supposed to be with him or her or doing that with this group or just doing some of the things that we do, but we go through them. Does that make us any, uh, make us a bad person? I don't think so. I don't think it, only way it affects us if we keep putting ourselves through that same old cycle. Once we learn the lesson, get through it and pass on the blessing to the next generation, I think that's the whole reason why we go through these, these experiences is so that we can pass them to the next person or the next generation or the next any human being and, and as we see it could be an older generation we need to pass this knowledge to just to to to, to show them how i got through that experience and of course hopefully the goal is that they will learn from what we've been through and went through and so that and of course setting those core values and i think us as a people um it could be with our new year's goals but like really setting core values because if we had certain core values we wouldn't do some of the things that are aka our parents did to us subconsciously or consciously um we wouldn't operate or move if we know the the values of this family it kind of makes us stay on track to to see the bigger picture like we know the values of our family is to be financially prosperous and not still living in poverty so we're not going to spend frivolously so we're going to put a plan together and it's like okay you you speaking roman rome here you speaking greek here and um roman or greek here and it's like but these are the values that i'm going to set up with my family and from this day forward we're going to operate under these these values and it, it, it can ca- cause an epidemic change you know what hurts that though what's that cultural expectations think about i was talking with a friend 
And I said, how many people don't raise their kids? They just existing with them. Because think about it. Because these expectations for what you want to drive, for for the, for the job you want to have and all this, and the house and all this stuff. You, so it's 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. You're going to sleep six-ish to eight hours. You're going to be at work for eight hours. Mm-hmm. Then you got to commute in Houston. That's another two-some hours. Mm-hmm. Then you got to you gotta go pick the kids up from school, mm-hmm. daycare, whatever case. Come on, you might want to go to the gym. You're not cooking, mm-hmm. really. You're existing with your mate because y'all too tired. Y'all been emptying y'all bucket by choice or mm-hmm. you know not by choice all day. Now you get home and you in it. You, you, don't, you don't sit down. You don't talk. And sometimes people think getting on their phones is something they want to do. Sometimes that's just peace of mind. Like if I work on my break, I get on YouTube and watch YouTube videos. <laughs> that's my downtime. I want to watch a sermon, a motivational speaker, motivational speaker, a sports video, or watch Shannon Sharp talk about sports. I want to I watch something. That's my downtime. And some people don't have that luxury at work, so they get home and they want that time. So you think, baby, you're not talking to me. And you you in your phone, you just scrolling. And you might even be liking some big booty pics you shouldn't be liking. I don't know. <laughs> That's my downtime. But, but you're on your downtime. <laughs> you're on your downtime. And as a result of that, the kids are neglected. Yeah. You know what? Oh, yeah, I spent I less than five minutes talking to some kids. I went in the circle, started laughing. I seen them laugh. They looked at me. What you laughing at? And I just started talking to them. I found out who was... Who was sipping lean? Who 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 getting high? Who who about to have? So, uh, so now I can come up with something within the school to combat something like that because I just talked to the kids in less than five minutes. I got some information like that. Imagine most parents don't talk to their kids, but they tired. They got so much thing. You're not spending time. And guess what? Anything you don't cultivate, don't grow. So guess who they who do? Guess who they do talk with? They work boyfriend or they work girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, but that, that should be real. What people do? So we're there most of the time. That's just there most of the time. So we're cultivating all these things because we're trying to live up to these certain expectations. So culturally, we have to tear down these things and, and plant some core values. I know some really good parents who have some real good ideas about parents, but they're so bogged down by life. And we even started talking about just the mental health or the personal issues you go through. We just talk about just demands. That they have. Now you add all that. Now what time did you spend with your spouse? Mm-hmm. How much time did you spend with your kids? Most of you say, hey, did you do your homework? If you like me, I, I, I lied to my mom every day. Yeah, mom, I did my homework. <laughs> if you want to hide something for me, put it in my backpack. I probably, I ain't never do no homework. <laughs> I found somebody first period that you cheat off their paper. Come on. Or I just ain't really? turning my dog in. You ain't got no dog. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, But it, it's just so much that goes into it. And, and the core values are so important because that's going to guide them on who they hang out with, mm. who they date, the decisions they make, the character within school. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Everything about the company they keep. Mm. You know, but because we have so many demands and we're not appropriating our time because we're trying to, like me, you know, I'm looking at it like this. I want to be happy within my family when I get married. You know, one day I want, I want us to be able to spend time. Yes. You know, so, and so many things about it. And then people trying to take extra jobs, trying to get some extra hustle, get someone that's more time away from your family. Guess what? You're bringing more money in the house. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's just so many things pulling. And I mean, I think that's a part of that whole construct. So we have, I know people that had a daddy in the house that wasn't present. That's, mm-hmm. that's the thing, not being present. But it just goes back to being intentional about everything you do. Um, but it just made me think of, which I love The Breakfast Club, and I love Charlamagne the guy, but... With this whole black men don't cheat, 
I feel like they with playing. these, these core values, <laughs> with the, but you could say they're playing, but with these core values, we have to make things like like men don't cheat a cool Obviously. thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we have to plant those seeds because honestly, if you actually listen to him, he's like, my life got better when I stopped cheating. My life started flourishing when I was present with my wife. Yeah. And so when I started honoring my wife and treating her good, so people are hearing this on the breakfast club or Charlamagne the guy Gucci Mane he said when he stopped cheating like when he turned into a new person his wife like he thanks his wife for all of that um and so it's like if we constantly are hearing these things and the young kids are hearing these things and making it cool making the culture shift we really have to be intentional about saying those things and putting that into their ear and just like with toxic femininity there's some kids that come into my job and they be talking reckless sometimes, and I have to talk to them about, like, I'm like, when you talking, like, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, they're having sex, they're having that. I'm like, to me, like, when we were in high school, we grew up real different. Like, that stuff wasn't cool to me. That wasn't cool to us. I was like, being getting good grades was cool. Like, when my kids come in, um, the students come in, I'm like, oh, how are your report card? You got all that? Like, that is, like, really a cool thing so we have to make those things that may not seem cool are cool because they actually in real life are cool like you could get a scholarship now to go here you could do this you could do that and just teaching our kids this yeah i agree 100 percent. how are we gonna do that with the most the dominating thing of the culture that people lived up to the most is so toxic I, I, I honestly think a lot of the music and stuff that we listen to, mm-hmm. and it be sounding good too, mm-hmm. is detrimental for your mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Because as a man is teaching right. us every wrong thing, as a woman is teaching them, every, and I tell people, I'll say, yeah, Michelle Obama, all these other different, I would think y'all are good role models. Like, mm-hmm. that, y'all are great examples. But truth be told, you know that innocent, sweet sixth grader in my class look up to? The people they don't need to be looking up to. Megan Thee Stallion. They looking up to people that, and I'm not saying this is no indictment. I'm not saying that they're bad people or anything. No, but know. adult content should be for adults. Yeah. But I know 7 million followers, most yeah. of them, a lot of them adults, but a lot of them is the 14 and 15, yeah. yo, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's the media. That, that's who they really looking after. And, I, and I'm so glad that I'm not 16 or 15 right now because I'm not following none of the big booty strippers. But if I was 15, I probably would. You know, you know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna lie, I probably would. Like, oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? I probably would. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, mentally, they're seeing things that are detrimental to their mental health because they're getting exposed to stuff at a young age. And and, and these things, and these these wires in their brains are firing off and they don't know how to do it. And their brains are so um, vulnerable at those times and they don't know what to do. And in the culture, and, it, and it's all these cultural pools. You gotta act like this, you gotta sound like this, you gotta do this. You gotta be that, and nobody's okay with just being with who they, who they would, you know. Uh, oh, I'm too dark. I gotta get lighter. You know what I'm saying? I'm too light. I gotta get darker. You know, I gotta get my knees done so I can be taller. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Something. But what I say to that is like, and you're very correct on that because you know I grew up very different than all of y'all. To be honest, you know, y'all from Houston. Like I grew up in here where we're at right now. You know, and so. But what I do say to that is, like, everybody has something in their spirit, right? God puts stuff in our spirit, and they, he wants us to do it to fulfill our purpose. And most likely, our, all purpose is to serve other people. And if we actually act on our purpose, 
and be that light and that change, if everybody acts on that purpose and not hold back to talk to that young woman, to talk to that young man and implement that, then we could start making impactful change. And, you know, you don't know, you know, they may look up to Meg the Stallion. I mean, I be dancing to it too, but I understand, Same like. Song be jamming, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I got to y'all sing the words. You be like. <laughs> yeah, but I do Say think, the words, though. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, being, doing something podcast, going into schools and talking to, to young women, telling your testimonies, it, it is going to make a change. You being in the schools. Mm-hmm hugging those young men, it is going to make a change. And you won't be able to save everyone, but you'll be able to save some uh, some mm-hmm. other kids' life. And they're going to save some other kids' life. You know, I feel really bad sometimes. Like, we have a summer camp at my nonprofit, and there was this kid, we had him, he was like um, one of our camp counselors, you know, kept coming around and stuff like that. But next thing we know, he's in a gang, and we're trying to talk him out of it. We're trying to, like, say, like, see him smoking, like, what are you doing? And then we lost them, but we did the best we can. And so it's just, I can't say everyone, but I I feel like, you know, we can do the best we can, be the light, and do what God tells us to do. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be the change if we keep that mindset. And I don't know, I keep seeing, I keep seeing more positive influences mm-hmm. with some of the greatest, like, change makers, like, media personalities. Yeah. And, yeah. and the people I'm around, I see them doing the work, so it, it gives me so much more hope. Yeah. yeah. Um, be careful yeah. who you follow. Also, you social media to. plays a big part in that. Yes. It goes back to what Jack said as well. You know, even if that person does go down a wrong road, eventually it makes you a better adult because you're gonna learn from those mistakes. Eventually, there is gonna be something that pivots and makes you change yourself. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Maybe it's gonna be that child you having a son, mm-hmm. having a daughter that's gonna make you say, "Okay, you know what." Let me stop being out here in these streets mm-hmm. and actually be straight up. Can't be up no more. Yeah, right? <laughs> Them days I'm <laughs> Yeah. I gotta stop. Yeah. Exactly. And when you think about it, it just makes you think that change does not happen overnight. So these core values that we're putting out into the universe, black men don't cheat, or present fathers, um, men that are involved actively in children's lives, women that are not... Um, Nat- and, and going to the the toxic femininity, um, one trait of a toxic fem the a uh, one feminine toxic trait is the manipulation, and we talked about it on our on our <laughs> other our other podcast. Like, um, and and and, and it's something that's not talked about a lot. And I, I'm sorry, ladies, I had to go there because it's it's real. Because it, give no, us an example of the manipulation. <laughs> you see, I didn't get it comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> it, it can come from, and we had a whole podcast yeah, about this, yeah, like um, not too long ago. But if you come, yeah, I'm a bit caught. You know, I'm a bit Like I, for me, it might be, you know, hey, man, you know, I came over to see you all week. You know, can you come see? You know, like we know what to do and what to say to pull a guy to make it. You know, to get right around our finger, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, right. Know, yeah, that's true. Oh, okay, Brian. Oh, yeah, he, he real. Oh, okay, all I got to do is say this, and that's going to get him. You know, mm-hmm. we pay attention. We're very visual people. And we're right. Very slick. That's him. All right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So when the garden eating, it's y'all fault, right? <laughs> 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 that persuasion. Yeah. Yeah. That persuasion. But I will say, talk to women, he goes beyond, like, a man and woman relationship. I think it even triggers us, like, a woman-to-woman relationship. Absolutely. Um, and us being jealous of each other or tearing each other down mm-hmm. um and even like you were saying like 
people's friends get into their uh, ears saying, mm-hmm. hey, you know, don't let him talk to your child. Don't mm-hmm. do it. Da, da, da. And that's not because of, we were talking about this on the other podcast. It's not, that's not because they really think that they just want you to be like them. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have a present man and man mm-hmm. and who wants to be in their kid's life. So they don't want you to have that. So we have to really like think about who, what kind of people we have around us mm-hmm. and be, and go out your way to be uplifting to the woman next to you. Go out your way. Cause I was talking about this on the last, last podcast, how, you know, I had to talk to myself about being jealous of another woman, but, and to combat that jealousy, I had to speak life into her. It made me feel better. And now I'm like, I'm supporting her now. And so we can't let that jealousy, that toxicity yes. eat us up and tear down another woman, especially another black woman, um, because it's going to tear down our whole woman gang society and tear down the men with it. Can I add something to that? So one of the questions I have, my, my host side is kicking in. <laughs> when I think of toxic femininity is like we talked about women making more money than men. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That is becoming huge from from yeah. the, from my walks of life talking with other men and women like super independent. I don't need you. I don't need no man. So then it makes us feel like this. Mm-hmm. We can't even go to Chili's and get a two for twenty. No, nah, because no, that's that's not up my alley. We need to put the stakes a little bit higher, sir. Um, yeah. Stake forty eight. I don't you know, know if I like you. Ruth though. Chris or something or Phil and Derek. But anyway, <laughs> what do you think this stem from? Um. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let me think about this. We were talk- I was talking to my coworkers about this before we we came in, and they brought up the same what thing. What's them The with, with when women make more, they mm-hmm. personality becomes so dominant to where the man feels like basically the roles are reversed when it comes to the relationship. <laughs> Mm. That can turn turn toxic. Like we take on the men. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. Now that the now the way society is now is more women. Toxic masculinity. Absolutely, I have to put. I see. I have to flip it for my whole side of things now, because it's a lot of it. I um I can't speak for them because (laughs) yeah I can't yeah. Because I want to try to stuff the show. I promise. You know, I'm just curious. Happens, I love even that. though it happens, we have to work so hard to even get to that place. Because as men, you might come into an interview, you sweet talking when you know I come in, I say what I say, and they like, oh yeah, we want him. And you're qualified. We might not be even be qualified for it, but most of the times they want men. Oh, we want to keep our circle as men. You know, it's just that's just how it is. So once we do get to that point of where we feel like we have reached this level it's like why haven't you made it to this level mm-hmm. i can do it as a woman as a black woman yeah. so that's more of like a more way of motivating us it is but we go about it in the wrong way we do i'm gonna I'm admit you know we do it's good go about it in toxic ways that's good i appreciate and that and get with people like you said manipulate it's a bad way to motivate us but, but <laughs> it's no that i don't know i love it I actually, my mom, okay. Can I say something? Yeah. Okay, so my mom had this situation. My, um, she was married, she's been married twice, and she's got divorced. And so my mom made more money than the guy. Um, and he moved into um, her house. And so. He was done before he started. Huh? Uh, he was done for different reasons. But uh, <laughs> I love him, but he, I, he's a great stepdad. But um, he was insecure with him within himself, which actually was the toxic masculinity that was pressed upon my mom. 
She wanted to help him out with his credit. She mm-hmm. wanted to be a part of his business plans and all that stuff. But he was so insecure that she, he wouldn't even let her help him out. That's true. Why? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you like, better help me out with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you knew my situation before yeah, yeah. we got together. And so she, it was so she was so insecure that mm-hmm. his jealousy and insecure would would turn into him talking down on my mom. Mm-hmm. And it became so Trying normal to make himself feel better. To make himself feel better. And it was so mm-hmm. normalized that we didn't even notice it until he left. We're like, ooh, I wish you were free. <laughs> like, what? what's going on? And now she's kind of talking to this other guy who doesn't make as much as her. He's But he's so secure in himself. He uplifts my mom and, like, prancing her around. Like, you go, girl. Da, 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 da. Like, your biggest fan. Biggest fan. What we want to eat, baby? But that's why I can't really talk on that part, but I do know there are women who are like, oh, he ain't got this, and he will talk him, the, that person down. And then that just defeats the whole thing. I don't think like you can be in a relationship whether you're rich or broke or, broke or rich. Mm. If you're talking down on a person, you're supposed to not only be careful what you say around, Robert Harper said this, not only be careful what you say around them, but lift them, like talk, speak life into them, yes, and be their cheerleader. Mm. Like, what what's the point of talking down on someone? Life is hard enough. Man, I think it goes back to those set of core values again. Yeah, and to think about it, because the women in this generation, we're being taught core values from the women in a different generation, where the males were the providers, the males were the caretakers. This is when the time men would go off to war or they were the breadwinner winners. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, women didn't have as many rights as this at that time. So kind of what we we had to, I don't want to say it like that, but it's like we put up with a lot during those times that we at this time, the accessibility for us earning our own income is completely different. So we don't have to put up with certain things for financial Mm -hmm. reasons. And so we are being taught from another generation where times were just a little, a little bit different. And so I don't think they're given the information or giving us the advice in a way. It's just vice advice. Yeah. And so it's more of like a protective, like exactly. have your own because that need to like yeah. stay in a relationship. That's good advice. Yeah. It just has to be applied. Yeah. And yeah. I think people, it's more character, like core values and character, the default mechanisms. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm all I'm I'm supposed to be with the person I love and be vulnerable with them, True. but I'm always side on because of all these situations yeah. I've heard of, yeah. all these situations I've seen, or the person that messed me over in the beginning. <laughs> and I always tell I used to date this one chick, she was like she at the time she was like twenty six. She had a masters, her own house, she was like all she had all the things going, right? Yeah. And that's like you see on a magazine. Woman does all that. I said, Can't none of that stuff sustain a relationship though. Yeah. Can't none of that stuff. Cause to be honest with you, yeah, you, you got a few degrees. You, you making some good money. You homeowner. But how do you how do you handle adversity? So what about when you mad at me? Are you gonna talk to me? Or are you gonna give me the cold shoulder and not communicate with me? <laughs> are you gonna when, when, when you get upset? Are you gonna give somebody else attention? Or are we gonna be able to talk about it? Okay. Um, you know what I'm saying? What? How do you respond? You know what I'm saying? Are you gonna tell me how you feel? Or you going? Are you going? Are you going to tell me how you feel in a gentle, like love is patient, love is kind? You know what I'm saying? Or are you going to go in on me and demean me? Because now, when you go in on me, now I don't want to open up to you because I don't feel safe. Never. I don't feel safe and I don't feel comfortable. So now we can't communicate. So now we don't. We don't have no foundation. But guess what? 
That's because of things that's been passed down to learn. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think we should be more proactive as opposed to reactive with therapy individually and collectively mm-hmm. as a group. Yeah. Because I would say, like, I feel like you don't know nobody until you go through something. Because mm-hmm. you see people that's married, they got kids, and the divorce comes, they do some of the most. I'm like, you would have thought that was their worst enemy. Like that mm-hmm. person harmed their own mama, and you going for their neck. You know what I'm saying? So I said, but, that, but that's still a manifestation of fear. It ain't that they just hate and hate you, but that's fear. Because guess what? People do all that and then get back together. So do you sign a prenup if you're in that predicament? I don't think it's not wrong. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to say this. I, 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 I've been pulled over plenty of times by the cops. If I, I don't got no drugs in the car. So it is demeaning and it's offensive. Then go ahead and check my car so I can go. You know, I look at it like that. Mm. So if somebody wants to sign a prenup, all right. I ain't got no ill intentions. Okay. I ain't about to mess you over. And everybody might have different perspectives. I'm like, oh, you don't trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm asking, man. Space. I just want to see something real quick. Just sign it real quick. But no, nah, I mean, I, I never thought about doing it. But I mean, if somebody asked me to do that, I ain't really tripping. It might make me question how thorough they are as far as going with stuff. Because whenever there's an opt-out, people are not committed. You know, people say, I see that means they leaving themselves that opt out. Mm-hmm. But when you go, when you go all in, when you just when you go to the pool, you just jump in the water, you all in. You know what I'm saying? And I want to know that if I'm giving my heart to you, we about to have some kids here, we doing this. I want to know that you're all in. So a prenup will kind of make me like, dang, what's she thinking? Right. She might mm-hmm. she gonna get mad at me and leave me. You know? Yeah. You know, so I would say on like a financial tip, uh, me and Marco were talking about this about a lot of things. But like I think the things that men need in a relationship is different from what women need in a relationship so we do want you guys to provide and protect us meanwhile y'all don't care if you got money a lot of times y'all don't care you could be a little cheap but y'all want us to be nurturing to be um, good mothers to look good and things of that nature and so I think that's the when it gets a little weird if we do make more money than you then it's like oh wow like I actually want you to protect and provide for me but I feel like I'm providing for us and I mean I just feel like that's why it just usually is a little hard to cope with because we just not made that way and so I mean that's just the honest truth and we have to just be able to you know, see if that's we're compatible for one another. Because there are guys who would stay at home while the girl makes a lot of money, and you have to be truthful. And this is actually what my coworker said: you have to be honest with yourself. Are you going to be compatible with that person? You know, we might be like, "Dang, she's doing this, she's doing that, or he's doing that. He won't change. He won't change." It's just because you might not be comfortable with that, but the next person might be loving all of that. So be truthful with yourself. Like, are y'all even compatible together? Because truthfully, I, I want a man that wants me to be ambitious and be a boss. And I want him to support that, but I also want him to be a boss too. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't actually want a man who wants someone to just be very submissive. I want them to be like, dang, I value your opinion. Mm-hmm. And I like that you're a boss, and yeah. I want you to be bossing with mm-hmm. me. And so that's going to change the world. So, so, you know, you just have to find out who, who you're compatible with so you don't have to really be like, that's this question. Out. Yeah. It's kind of like raising the question. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so in sports, we have at the beginning of training camp, we have our itinerary. Mm-hmm. We have a game plan for each game. Mm-hmm. When you want to open a business, you got a business plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We plan for everything except a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I heard Zig Ziglar, who's one of the most prominent motivational speakers 
he's like I seen this thing. His wife was in their eighties, and they still were dating. They still would set standards. They would still set a tone yes. for each month. They would plan it out. And yeah, it I doesn't mean you're always going to get everything to the T, but you got to hold yourself accountable. Because mm-hmm. when you don't hold yourself accountable, you, you fall vulnerable to things happening. Yeah. And things are always going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. things happen, but when it consistently happens, it's a choice. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is, why not have a plan? That's it. A certain amount of days. We, as well, a that's family, boring. I got to do bad cop. That's boring. Yeah. I want to be spontaneous. I want to be able to, just you know, just. But, but, <laughs> but, you, but you can still be spontaneous. With the, what I'm saying is we have to make time to cultivate. We have to make time to create. You know what I'm saying? Because I want you to support me, but I want to support you. I could. See, when I think about my core cool vibes, of course, I want my wife to be something that when I look at it, I want to be like, oh, I'm lucky. Bam. You know what I'm saying? I want to say that. But I also want to know, I want to know she got a growth mindset. Yes. I want to know there was stuff going on, she ain't going to fold. Because me, I don't listen. I don't fold. Like, I may not be the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, but listen, I'm fold. coming. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like Kanye said in the song, I ain't scared to lose a fist fight. Like, okay, you hit, I, all right, you better knock me out. And at the end of the day, I better ever find you. You know what I'm saying? Because that, like I'm talking about, and I'm not talking about just on some pride on the fight, but I'm just saying in general yeah, yeah. about life. Adversity, man, it's, man, life be beating us up. We just be sitting there taking it. No, I'm fighting back. I need to get up early and stay up. I need to ask these questions. I don't mind saying, hey, I don't understand. Somebody say, you stupid. Okay, you stupid too. What's up? So, what's the definition of it? What does that word mean? Because I'm really trying to learn. Yeah, that's true. You know what I'm saying? I ask questions. I don't, some people and people got it all mixed up. Like, how did you, what did you do to get the way you got why are we setting up plans for that? I need to know what is your biggest fear. How do you respond through rejection? Because uh, what dangerous thing? I don't want to date no woman that you know when she lonely she give attention to other people. Because mm-hmm. now you're you emotionally cheating, man. God, lame. I, I used to have, I know a chick that said you, you be busy on the ground too much, but then she got it with a dude that ain't had no job. He gave you all the time you want, but he ain't got no job. You know what I'm saying? But um. So it's like, I think we should set, we should be more intentional about what we're doing like when it comes to that's building good. relationships, mm. dating, everything. You have kids, you got friends that learn from you, friends that's on the same level, friends that you learn that's from. Right. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Same, and in a relationship, you need to have, like, I need you to have some friends. I don't want you to always be mm-hmm. up on me all the time. You know what I'm saying? I need I'm a motivational speaker, girl. I got to, you know, yeah, speak. I got to go speak. <laughs> so I just think, like, I need to find them. If you don't like to cook, I don't like to cook either, but I don't mind cleaning. So let's try to figure something out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, let's figure something out. So I, certain certain issues I don't want to deal with in America because I feel like we can get this settled before we get married. Mm-hmm. We can handle these things. Like, I don't like to sleep with the fan on because I get the sniffles in the morning. But I think that caused big issues in relationships. Some people like that. I was really cold. Like, yeah, I got a it's couple cold. in my head. <laughs> But we do have to wrap this up. Yeah, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Um, what time is it, y'all? It's affirmation time. It's affirmation time. It's affirmation time. <laughs> y'all, this is your first time tuning in on the Soul Feeling Podcast. We always, 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 always end our podcast with a positive affirmation. So what the heck is an affirmation? An affirmation is any statement that you are using to transform your life. Even in the Bible, it states, let the weak say, I am strong. So guys, you literally have to say this. Speak it out of your mouth. On those days when you're feeling not like your best self, don't be saying, I'm feeling sick and tired, I'm broke, I'm this, I'm that. Instead, speak uplifting, positive things into your life. 
Like I'm doing my best. I'm getting better and better every day. God is leading me every step of the way. And watch how your life transforms for the best. So today it is five of us, and I'm affirming that it is millions, billions, trillions, fulfillions, or just really whoever's divinely meant to be out there tuned in onto the Soul Feeling Podcast. So we're going to go ahead and end this thing out with our positive affirmations. So who wants to go first? I have one. I am resourceful because I come from the source. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that one. I, I oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it. Okay, <laughs> I am a balance of positive feminine traits. Nice. I am mentally strong. <laughs> you next, bro. We ain't gonna keep it going. I'm trying to look at you. Like, uh, <laughs> I am a finisher. No pressure, no pressure at all. I believe you're never too old to grow. So thank you guys so much for being on our show. Please let our audience know where they can find you, contact you, all that good stuff. I'm on that now. No. <laughs> Shout out to the North Side. Everybody was hating on the North Side. No, um, Super Curl on Instagram. S-U-P-E-R-C-A-R-O-L-L. Um, is that what I'm supposed to say? Yeah. Yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, or My website is briancarolandassociates.com. If you got some kids, get a book, Super Sharing. And um, if you just want to talk, call me. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> DM just blowing up. And for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's the Murph uh, Podcast. Why not sports? You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, we just talk about my, of course, my co-host want to involve him, uh, Big Roy. We talk about the good, bad, and the ugly of sports and how it impacts your everyday life. And ladies, again, thank you for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Brother Brian, appreciate you, brother. Let them know what the fun soul feeling. Yes, if you're listening to us, please share. We're everywhere Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And that's S-O-U-L space F-I-L-L-I-N-G. And we did want to mention that we do have a Patreon. So if yeah. you want to donate to us, we give you goodies. We give you the inside scoop of all the ratchetness that goes on. Um, just go to Soul Feeling. Well, you go to patreon.com backslash Soul Feeling. And also, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and write something soulful and sweet. We love you guys so much. Until next time, so <laughs> Bye!